You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done by law, 6pm Tuesdays. Good evening and welcome to Done by Law on 3CR 855am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. It's 6.01pm and you're here with Beth and Ingrid, broadcasting live from the 3CR studio. We'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands on which we're broadcasting and recording and where we are, that's the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Tonight, we're looking at the issue of debanking and the impact on people working in the sex industry and in adjacent professions such as stripping. We're going to look at the draft guidance from Austrac on financial services for customers that financial institutions assess to be higher risk. We'll look in particular at the ways that guidance supports sex workers and the ways in which it falls short, particularly in terms of the requirement to remind financial institutions about their obligations under state and federal anti-discrimination laws. Tonight we're lucky to be joined by Matthew Roberts, a sex worker and the policy officer at Sex Work Law Reform Victoria. Sex Work Law Reform Victoria is an independent, non-partisan volunteer group led by sex workers lobbying for the full decriminalisation of consensual adult sex work in Victoria. We've spoken with Matthew before on Done By Law about the Sex Work Decriminalisation Bill and we're excited for him to return as a guest to shine a light on financial discrimination against sex workers and the work of Sex Work Law Reform Victoria in this space. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hi, Ingrid. Um, now, I wanted to start by asking you, what is debanking or de-risking? And is this lawful? So debanking, also known as financial discrimination, is the denial or refusal of to provide financial services to individuals or businesses by a financial institution. Um, this can be unlawful. It can be a breach of anti-discrimination laws at the state level, and it can also be a breach of banking regulations at the federal level. And Matthew, why is debanking a problem in the sex industry in particular? Are banks required by law to give reasons as to why they won't provide goods and services to certain customers? It's a very big problem in the sex industry um, because banks don't discriminate against everybody. They just target certain groups, often based on occupation or industry affiliation. And for reasons that are not entirely clear, the banks and merchant providers rampantly discriminate against people working in the sex industry, strippers and porn performers. The banks say this is because these are high-risk industries uh, with a risk of human trafficking and money laundering but they've never provided details or evidence that they're relying upon to make that assessment. And it's a problem for the sex industry because sex workers can't honestly engage with the banks uh, with their 
opening up accounts, and it drives the industry underground, in a sense, back into the cash or black economy, and then that creates problems for tax and disclosure and Centrelink and also carrying cash, particularly in a late-night shift. The sex industry does often operate late at night. Carrying large amounts of cash can be physically risky. So, Matthew, what do people do in reality when they've been denied the services of banks? Now, you talked about the safety issues associated with dealing in cash. Um, What are some of the other issues that people face in being denied the services of financial institutions? Well, there are many issues. So, it it effectively... um, even though sex work in the state of Victoria is now going to become decriminalised. So sex workers will be able to work legally when those laws kick in at the end of this year. So mm. you might, yeah, which is great, which is fantastic. I mean, we fought for, you know, four and a half years um, since our group formed to achieve that, which is fantastic. The, part, the Victorian Parliament has done the right thing. Thank you. And the hope was that we could then operate like any other business, pay tax, get on with our work. What's the big deal? The big deal is that even when sex workers or sex industry businesses operate legally, the majority of merchant providers, that's FPOS machine companies, refuse to provide any services. And that means that we feel that stigma. Personally, it means that when you go into a branch to a bank, it becomes a nightmare scenario. It becomes really nerve-wracking what do I say? Do I lie? Do I tell the truth? What are they? How are they going to react? What if there are kids around in the queue behind me? It just becomes a nightmare. So what should be a straightforward um, transaction at a, at a branch can become really distressing. That's so awful to hear. I, I wonder if um, organisations like the one that you're a policy officer for, do you provide support to people around those interactions in preparing to engage with financial institutions? We certainly do. In fact, the number one request for assistance that we receive is about this issue. It's about saying we want to work legally. We want to work legitimately. We want to comply. We want to pay tax even, right? People want to learn how to get those card payments because that's where the Australian economy is going. We all know now, if you go to the hairdresser, the cafe, Coles or Woolworths, how are you paying? We're all paying with cards, right? And sex work is no different. Uh, so that's that's what people want and they're really not sure how to navigate the system and so we're working to provide some uh, written resources to help them navigate everything from application forms to what do you do in that branch. That's such a valuable resource to have. Um, I can't imagine having that feeling of going into a branch and just feeling the fear of what that interaction might be like. Um Matthew, what sorts of services are we talking about from financial institutions that are being denied? Is it the full run of things from personal bank accounts to mortgages to business loans? Um, Does that discrimination impact all of those sorts of different products that are available? To answer the question, what's being denied? The answer is everything. Now, some people, again, I want to emphasise here, Ingrid, a lot of people assume that it's because there's criminal activity occurring or the sex worker is working illegally. We are talking here about a blanket denial of services, of all services, to sex workers who work legally and can demonstrate that they're working legally. Sometimes people um, who will approach me will say, well, they're just being denied credit cards because they haven't got a good credit history. 
No, we're talking about basic banking services, a basic um, business bank account, even savings accounts. Although the big, the um, the worst offender and the, and the most difficult product to achieve would be merchant providers. So that would be that FOS machine, which is often a separate company from the bank. So you applied for a bank account to put your money in. That's one company, you know, like one of the big four banks. And then you might need to separately apply to another company to get that FPOS machine to take those payments that then go into the bank account. And each one of those merchant providers will often have a contract with multiple other merchant providers and any one of them could be discriminating in terms of their policies. And so if, if any one of those companies has a discrimination policy, you're out. It sounds like a nightmare of a system to navigate. Is this? Do you have contacts with your counterparts in other states and territories? Is this an issue that is across the board in Australia or is it a particular problem in Victoria? It's a universal problem across Australia. Sex work laws do vary from state to state. In fact, South Australia still makes all sex work completely illegal based upon laws dating from the 1930s. The banks generally um, have policies um, for all for the, they have the same policies for the whole of the country, and so one of their excuses is well, with sex work laws varying across states and territories, that's a problem for us. Therefore, we deny all services. So that's one of their their quite weak you know reasons. Um, it's certainly a problem in all other states, although in say South Australia. This is a secondary problem for South Australian sex workers because their fight right now is let's get the industry decriminalised so we can work legally and then maybe we can start looking at um, reforming what the banks are doing. Hmm. Now, it sounds very obvious perhaps that there is state and territory anti-discrimination legislation and that you're prohibited from being discriminated um, upon by virtue of your occupation. But what are the limits to anti-discrimination laws when it comes to financial discrimination for sex workers? So there are a number of limits uh, in state and territory anti-discrimination laws. And the relevant protected attribute is is occupation, in at least here in Victoria. That's the law that we have, which means that it is unlawful for a service provider to um, deny services on the basis of someone's occupation. And the limits to these laws are, they're brand new laws from, from May of last year, and they've never really been tested in court or tribunal. And so the attitude of the bank seems to be, well, you're saying this is unlawful, but that's never been proven or demonstrated in court. So how do we know that it's really unlawful? That's their argument. Once you go to enforce the laws... Generally, you'd need lawyers to fight against the bank's lawyers, which, you know, run, running a case is, is very expensive. And a lot of individual sex workers um, are not always, you know, high-income individuals. They're working people. Sometimes people are doing survival sex work as well. So they don't have, you know, 100 grand spare to fight back. And then you've got the fact that the legal system is interpreting laws, we look at case law, it's interpreting laws in a way that is highly unfavourable to sex workers. There seems to be a bias where sex workers don't deserve 
you know, access like everyone else, it's quite biased against the sex worker. So that's a problem. And then you've got problems about, again, interpretation and case law in was it the occupation or the way that they were using the bank account versus their identity. So there's a number of sort of loopholes there that mean that we've never had a sex worker successfully litigate a case and win in court ever in Australia. Difficult because you do come up against, as you said, like some of those legal barriers and you're dealing with that existing case law. Yeah, that's, that's difficult and problematic. And we're not talking about a small industry here, are we, in terms of the number of sex workers who might be working in Victoria or Australia? Do you have an idea about the numbers of people who might be impacted by financial discrimination? So the we're talking about you know, maybe close to 100,000 people, if you include all of the industries, stripping, porn, um, sex work, and then all the affiliated workers, so escort agency drivers, the the retailers, the adult product retailers, they also are victim to this discrimination. And then you've got the other staff, um, support staff in a brothel. So when you include all of that, you know, we're talking about tens of thousands, if not more, workers across the whole country. And Matthew, does it have flow-on effects to other areas of people's lives? For example, the ability to rent a property, for example. Are, are those sorts of impacts that you've seen as well through doing this advocacy work? Most definitely. So we also get requests from sex workers who are struggling to get rental accommodation because they might earn you know, a decent income, but they can't demonstrate that because they're getting paid in cash and, and it's just such a nightmare to engage with the system. So rental is a big problem. Um, Centrelink is a nightmare as well. We all, we've all heard about what Centrelink can do to people you know, with all the, the administration there. But what really got me involved in this campaign was COVID and lockdowns. Because at that time in Victoria, we had um, lockdowns and orders that prevented certain industries from operating. And that was changing sometimes on a daily basis, and it was industry-specific. And so what you needed to demonstrate as a um, self-employed sex worker, which is what I am, is you needed to show that what occupation were you working in, what evidence did you have of that, and show that that particular occupation at that point in time was prohibited from working during the lockdowns. And if you couldn't show that, you wouldn't be eligible for the business support payments. And that was a massive issue. So we had very few sex workers that were able to openly and easily rely on that support system that was there, that was largely supporting everyone else. It's just such an atrocious approach, isn't it, Beth? I mean, to have people in this position and that kind of ripple effect that comes from, you know, being discriminated against across a number of indices. Um, Happily, that does appear to be some guidance in this area. It's not just the banks doing their own thing um, without regulation, although there seems to be problems with the regulation in the industry that still prevail. Matthew, you've talked to us earlier about the role of Austrac um, in providing guidance to banking institutions on their obligations to customers or potential customers. What role has your organisation had in influencing or making submissions in relation to those guidelines? So Austrac is Australia's federal um, financial crime fighting agency. Think of it as being a bit like the police. It's similar to the AFP. And their role is to potentially issue extremely large fines, sometimes over a billion dollars for one bank, if the bank doesn't take measures to combat money laundering. 
Now, there's no evidence that money laundering is widespread in the sex industry. In fact, the sex industry isn't even listed on Oztrack's website as one of the high-risk industries. Um, and Oztrack puts out guidance to the banks and other financial providers on how they can manage risk and include customers um, in a fair way. And so Sex Work Law Reform Victoria recently put in a submission to Oztrack's draft guidance on engaging with customers um, from what the banks call high-risk industries. And we we went through that um, with a fine-tooth comb and we found the draft guidance lacking and it we believe and we argued quite powerfully that it didn't go far enough in reminding the banks of their anti-discrimination law obligations that they must meet in addition to the federal money laundering laws. And so we said to Oztrack, we would like you to, in your guidance, um, mention the fact that discrimination is occurring against certain key industries and remind them of the state and territory laws that can apply to address that discrimination. And has that input been taken up, Matthew? Are those guidelines still in draft form or have they been finalised at this stage? They have not yet been finalised. They um, the submissions have been received and we've been told that later in the year, in a number of months, the final version will be published. And so I continue to urge Oztrack to go much further and become much bolder in tackling this issue and being prepared to do what it takes to um, be firm on the banks and remind banks of their anti-discrimination law ob- obligations. Thank you, Matthew. We're going to go to a track now and then we're going to come back to discuss some more of these issues in in further detail. Um, The track that we're going to play is Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue.
back to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We're here talking with Matthew Roberts, a sex worker and the policy officer at Sex Work Law Reform Victoria. And we're talking tonight about debunking, debanking financial discrimination in the sex industry. Matthew, welcome back. Thank you. We were just chatting off air about the fact that there's one organisation um, that there are a lot of um, organisations we've been talking about generally the banking industry tonight discriminating against sex workers and preventing them from opening accounts and accessing other financial services like merchant services. Uh, but but there is one um, organisation that uh, does not discriminate against uh, sex workers um, and, and affiliate workers uh, at all. Uh, and uh, you were telling us about what that organisation is. <laughs> That would be the Australian Taxation Office, (laughs) who um, it can be done that the federal government agencies can end discrimination. And years ago, the ATO did that. They love to take our tax and charge us tax. And when you go to file your tax return, you've got to choose an occupation from the drop-down list. There is multiple descriptions of sex work there. Brothel keeper, escort sex worker, um, they even go back to the old prostitute terminology as well. It's all there. So they've got no problems in dealing with, as the banks term it, the, I'm just doing inverted commas here, the high-risk industries of, of sex workers here. The ATO is happy to, they, to collect your tax. They will take tax from high-risk sex workers as long as you're earning the money that they want that tax. And we were talking before about Track and how the guidance that um, they've got in draft form at the moment that you've made a submission towards, um, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, stuff that they put out around um, what are high-risk industries and you were noting that sex work wasn't actually um, up there um, in that list, um, yet the banks are kind of using that as a reason to deny services and discriminate. Um, yeah, the banks have used um, over the years money laundering, human trafficking, sex slavery, even terrorism comes up sometimes. It's bizarre. And there's just no evidence for any of this. Matthew, do you have other sources of advocacy in terms of, um, well, aspects of the regulation of the banking sector? I, I understand that there is a banking code of review and a banking code of practice. Do these provide a further avenue for advocacy for organisations such as Sex Work Law Reform Victoria to help reform the banking sector and address financial discrimination? Yes. So the the um, primary source of bank banking regulation in Australia is the Banking Code of Practice. And every three years that is reviewed by an independent reviewer. And this applies nationwide. Sex Work Law Reform Victoria put in a, a, a lengthy submission. And we also mobilised a number of other similar organ- small business organisations to put in submissions as well. The problem with that, Ingrid, is that once the reviewer recommends changes to improve the situation, the banks have to agree to it. And their response was, we don't agree to end debanking. There were a number of recommendations to address this problem, and the Australian Banking Association, representing those big banks, formally responded earlier this year and said, no, we don't agree to give reasons why the accounts are closed. We don't agree to publish on our website when we've done something wrong. They're just not budging. And so there's not going to be change 
um, there to the banking code of practice. The next opportunity it's like the Olympics. We've got to wait another three years. And it's di- the difficulty with those kind of codes because are they they voluntary codes? Is this the limitation that we've got? It's not voluntary. If you're a member of the Australian Banking Association, it's mandatory. But a lot of the merchant providers aren't actually members of the Australian Banking Association because they're not banks. And not all banks are members either. And then when the... You've got me started now, so about all the <laughs> flaws in the system. And then when there is a complaint, and we've done complaints before, AFCA, the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, which has to enforce the banking code of practice, really doesn't enforce um, the discrimination areas of the code at all. There was one case that was published of an escort agency owner who had her accounts closed down by one of the big four banks. This was published. And AFCA um, ruled that it was completely lawful because of the manner and the timing in which the discrimination occurred. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) What was the manner and timing in which the discrimination occurred? Do you know more about that case? We always refer to that case. In the case of the escort agency owner, she had her account closed in writing with 30 days notice in compliance with the bank's own terms and conditions and therefore it was deemed fine. Just because they followed the right protocols in closing the account, though, doesn't mean it wasn't discriminatory. That's interesting. That's that's right. Mm. So again, more loopholes there. Matthew, do banks use this term debanking? Is that a term that's been sort of introduced through advocacy on what's actually occurring with people being denied financial services? Or is that sort of a term that's used by banks as well? Banks, if you ever have to... have the unpleasant experience in engaging with banks, they have their own bank speak that's quite separate from normal human language. And I've never heard a bank use that term. It's generally used by regulators or affected industries. Banks will use things like um, offloading. I'm just trying to think of the words that they use. Um, They just refer to risk-based assessment or they love the word risk appetite. Mm. that's their buzzword. So they have all these words to to sort of um, make it seem more palatable than it really is with the terminology that that they use um, to sort of cover up what they're effectively doing, which is is direct discrimination. Mm. Now, Matthew, unfortunately, again, uh, we've run out of time on this show, but we've been delighted to have you. And before we let you go, we'd really love to hear from you what the biggest, simplest or quickest thing is that could be done to improve the banking system for people in the sex industry or working in adjacent industries? What any listener can do is just approach your own bank and just ask them what their policy is. Just raise it with them. doesn't matter what, what, what they say. They may not know. Raise the issue. We need to talk about this more and get the banks on record responding. Thanks so much, Matthew, for speaking with us tonight. We really enjoyed talking with you again. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. And thank you very much for that call for action. That's a great tip for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've been listening to Done By Law on 3CR 855am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We've been speaking with Matthew Roberts, a policy officer at Sex Work Law Reform Victoria. Um, We're very delighted to have had him here tonight. Now stay tuned for Voices of West Papua coming up next.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.